Asia Pacific Currents. News and labour issues from the Asia Pacific region. We strongly condemn the, the police that arrest、uh, the protesters. Sunday mornings at nine o'clock on Community Radio 3CR. Workers of the world should unite to fight this greedy capitalist. Brought to you by Australia Asia Worker Link. Good morning and welcome to Asia Pacific Currents for another Saturday morning. You're listening to Community Radio 3CR. This is Giselle Hanna taking you through to 9:30 this morning. It is Saturday, the 20th of May. My, my, how the year has flown! Of course, Asia Pacific Currents is brought to you by Australia Asia Worker Links. And if you want to get in touch with us, you can find us on the web, all the w's dot a a w l dot org dot a u. We're on Facebook and Twitter, so look us up on those social media platforms. We have a wide roundup of news from around the region for this morning, so we will kick off. There'll be a bit of music throughout today's show as well. Not common for APC, but it will happen this morning. We are going to start in Thailand, where there was an unexpected outcome of the Thai election. The Move Forward Party unexpectedly won Sunday's election in Thailand, and seems likely to form the first non-military-backed government since the 2014 coup. Move Forward will form government with another opposition party, Poi Thai, which is led by a member of the Shinawatra family and had been the predicted winner. Move Forward <clears throat> is widely seen as the most progressive party in this election, as they've been willing to engage with the unions and even place union leaders high on their ticket. Critics, however, note that the relationship is mostly one way, with Move Forward using unions while labour issues are central to the concerns of Thai voters. The minimum wage has been stagnant since 2016. And with rising inflation, it was inevitable that working conditions would be central to this election. Since the 1997 financial crisis, successive Thai governments have supported laissez-faire、um, politics in business, and union membership was in decline well before the 2014 coup. The military government has accelerated the process by encouraging the informal economy, leading to the increased hiring of migrant workers on contract, for whom unionisation is illegal. Instead of permanent staff by many companies, it remains to be seen if the trade union movement in Thailand will be able to make the most of the centrality of labour issues in Thai politics following this election. And、uh, <clears throat> a further brief election follow-up: there were two other elections that were held over the past weekend. French Polynesia elected pro-independence candidate Motai Brotherson, meaning the independence movement controls both the parliament and the、uh, executive of the French-held territory. However, Brotherson said an independence referendum is not the first priority for his presidency. In Turkey, no candidate was able to secure a majority vote, and a runoff election will be held at the end of the month between the Islamic Conservative AKP incumbent president Recep Tayyip Erdogan and the nationalist left CHP opposition leader Kemal Kılıçdaroğlu. We at APC will cover the issues of these elections in coming weeks. 
One more story before we go to a music break. This story comes from South India, where steel workers are on strike. Hundreds of workers from the um, Visakhapatam steel plant in the southern Indian state of Andhra Pradesh gathered in front of the administrative offices of the company on Tuesday to protest the company's refusal to implement a wage revision agreement. The workers blocked the offices, preventing vehicles entering and leaving, and both local and federal police prevented the workers from entering the building. The plant has been the site of industrial disputes for several months as a state-owned company was intending to privatise and the most recent dispute centres on the local company leadership failing to revise wages as has been done for steel workers in other parts of India. Workers have linked the privatisation of the company to the refusal to revise wages and have held an 820-day relay hunger strike on the matter. The company did not enter negotiations with the workers, claiming that senior management was interstate on the day. Going to go to a music track. This is Down City Streets by Archie Roach. Down City Streets, I would roll I had no bed, I had no home Crawl out of bushes early morning Use newspapers to keep me warm Then I'd have to score a drink Start me up, help me to think Down city streets I would roll Use my fingers as it goes In those days When I was young Drinking and fighting Was no fun It was daily living for me I had no choice It was meant to be Down city streets I would roam I had no bed I had no home There was nothing That I owned Used my fingers As it goes Now I'm a man I'm not alone I am married I have children of my own Now I have something I call my own These are my children And this is my home I look around and understand how street kids feel when they're put down. 
out there in the radio world show some love to 3cr you know and if you're listening and enjoying the programs here man great radio station it is how how it was built by community and the community ownership and that's a powerful thing to have within community so show some love show some support and please subscribe from the north to the south to the east to the west let the baller take you home island style represent your soul to the flow love your set represent raise your pride to the sky love it like it's the best my power bring it back home It is 12 minutes past 9 o'clock here on Community Radio 3CR. You're listening to Asia Pacific Currents. Yes, Radiothon is coming up in June. Uh, Make sure you start saving your pennies to support Community Radio 3CR. Uh, We will, of course, be having our fun... uh, uh, Radiothon Drive on air. Uh, if you want to support Asia Pacific Currents, make sure you mark that down in your donation. But of course, any donation to any of our programs all contributes towards keeping radical voices on air. We're going to keep going with the news from around the region and now we head over to uh, Iran. Industrial action across Iran over low wages and pensions continues in the last week. Uh, in Iran, the Haftapir sugarcane workers gathered for five consecutive days to protest the failure of their management to equalise their wages with that of other industries. The protests ended when the management said they would respond this week and industrial action is expected to resume if the answer is unsatisfactory. On Friday, firefighters in Mashhad, Iran's second largest city, also went on strike over low wages and received a promise of 20 hours overtime in the interim while they returned to work. On Saturday, retirees across the country from various industries gathered in front of the social security offices in their respective cities to call for an increase in their pensions to match inflation. The protesters brought attention to the situation where many Iranian retirees live in poverty and called for an increase of the pension to 25 million tomans, which is about 6,000 US dollars. They also called for free Medicare. Finally, music students from the University of Tehran protested the harassment of women by security forces on their campus and called for an end to physical assaults for alleged hijab violations. 
In Pakistan, journalists are being attacked during Pakistan protests. During the protests last week that followed the brief arrest of former Prime Minister Imran Khan in Pakistan, several journalists were attacked by both protesters and the authorities. In Lahore, a journalist was left seriously injured after being pelted with stones by protesters, while another two were attacked by Khan's supporters as they turned up to their offices for work in Peshawar. While across the city, the offices of the national broadcaster Radio Pakistan were set alight. Police also were responsible for attacking journalists with two reporters seriously assaulted when they tried to film a police raid on a senior member of Khan's Movement for Justice Party in northwest Punjab, while two senior journalists were arrested in Sialkot, accused of inciting protesters and security services to attack each other. This week, current Prime Minister Shehbaz Sharif stated that protesters who were arrested last week will be tried under military laws which do not require the standard of evidence or due process of civilian courts. In South Korea, construction workers held a two-day rally. More than 30,000 members of the Korean Construction Workers' Union staged a two-day rally in central Seoul to protest the anti-labour laws of the Yoon administration, which led to the death of one of their members, Yoon Haidong, earlier this month. <clears throat> Sorry, Yang Haidong. Yang committed suicide by self-immolation on May Day after he was summoned to appear in court as part of the Yoon government's crackdown on union activity. President Yoon was elected last year on the back of an anti-union campaign and has sought to use legislation on financial impropriety, organised crime and even espionage to imprison union leadership. The KCWU said they used the two-day rally to commemorate Yang while also bringing attention to the use of fabricated charges to unjustly imprison labour activists. The protesters shut down much of the city centre to traffic on Tuesday and camped out around Seoul City Hall overnight. The rally culminated in a march to the President's offices on Wednesday afternoon and called for his resignation. We're going to go to some community announcements and then the last uh, bracket of news from around the region. This track is Calm Before the Storm by Monica Whiteman. Left my glass half empty And despite all the bitterness inside This lonely girl cannot cry And like the calm before the storm My love, I am broken Shoulder to crayon was all I really wanted 
someone to validate the pain I had encountered And I live my life with this one thing in mind To justify why I can go on And all around me so deathly quiet Like the calm, calm before the storm Like the calm before the storm Stillness speaks a warning in the silence new anti-protest laws will come into effect in Victoria targeting forest protectors. Sign up to be part of a mass survey action to protect and restore forests and defend the right to protest. Surveying is the act of looking for threatened species in an area slated to be logged in order to trigger protections. All forest protectors, whether at protest camps or citizen scientists, are targeted with these new anti-democratic laws. Sign up Go to geco.org.au. Be a part of this epic survey action on Saturday the 20th of May so that we can protect and restore the critical forest ecosystems that we all depend on and defend the right to protest in the process. Goongra Environment Centre is a 3CR supporter. 
Hi, this is Mitchell from Cut Copy, and you're listening to 3CR. Please support community radio. Subscribe now. It's 23 minutes past nine o'clock here on Community Radio 3CR. I'm Giselle Hanna, and this is Asia Pacific Currents. Going into our last bracket of news from around the region, and we're kicking off in China. Manufacturing disputes have doubled this year in that country. More than 100 protests, strikes and other labour disputes have been recorded in China so far this year, double the number this time last year. Most of these disputes centre on a combination of the deteriorating economic situation globally, coupled with a decline in overseas orders for Chinese-made products. Factories have been unilaterally slashing staff, underpaying wages or shutting down, often in contravention of local labour laws, leading to a rise in industrial disputes in China. This has occurred across manufacturing from electronics to garments, toy production and the automotive industry. As Chinese labour laws require companies to pay 30-day severance when employees are made redundant, many companies have opted to relocate to another production line to force the resignations of staff who can't afford to move. Chinese workers have resorted to informal protests as the law prevents the forming of any unions outside the All-China Federation of Trade Unions. The ACFTU allows the directives of the ruling CCP, leaving little scope for non-party union members to be heard at a local level. And the United Nations Labor Rights Organization, the ILO, has criticised uh, um, is criticised for the Qatari conference. The ILO, which is a UN watchdog for labor rights, has faced criticism this month for announcing that its annual conference will be held in Qatar, less than a year since the FIFA World Cup, with drew international condemnation for the poor working conditions of mi- migrant labor. Ali bin Samir El-Mari, Qatari's Minister for Labour, who referred to the International Campaign for Workers' Rights in the lead-up to the World Cup as a smear campaign, is also expected to be appointed as President of the ILO in a meeting in Switzerland next month. The ILO, which has been quick to praise Qatar's reforms of the kafala system as a success, has been accused of accepting bribes since its $25 million Doha offices were paid for paid for by the Qatari government. It is still illegal for Qatar's estimated 2.1 million foreign workers, two-thirds of the country's population, to form or join a union. In northern India, workers at the Praterial Hitachi Metals factory in Haryana, India, went on strike on Tuesday after two employees were sacked by management for allegedly working on a go-slow campaign in protest against the sacking of another worker the previous week for having tobacco on the premises. The striking workers claimed that there was no go-slow campaign, but rather the production targets were unrealistic and could not be met without working overtime. Another issue is that the workers are on contract and earn 120 US dollars per month, but are entitled to a $25 bonus if they do not miss a shift. However, if a worker misses work due to illness or family emergency... They lose the additional $25, which can cause them to easily fall into debt. The workers therefore demanded that they be made permanent. 
The bosses initially stripped all workers of their $25 monthly bonus for going on strike and threatened to sack them, but relented and agreed to negotiations if they returned to the factory floor, which they did on Wednesday. And our final story for news this week it comes from the US. The US-China competition continues in the Pacific region. US President Joe Biden was due to visit Papua New Guinea this week to sign a security pact with some in the Papuan government, sorry, which some in the Papuan government consider to be unconstitutional and dragging the Pacific nation into the militarization of the region. Biden cancelled his visit as domestic politics kept him in the US, but this has only postponed the signing of the USPNG security pact. Under the agreement, the US Army has unrestricted rights to the US, sorry, to the use of PNG's land, water and airspace, and US military personnel have immunity from prosecution. Meanwhile, the outgoing leadership of the Pacific Islands Forum are working to get China to sign up to their Blue Pacific Continent strategy, which was endorsed at last year's forum meeting. The heads of the Pacific Island governments have been trying to force outside powers to recognise them as a single bloc and avoid making salami slice deals with individual nations. But as the United States, which endorses strategy, has signed agreements with Micronesia and Palau in contravention of the strategy, it's unlikely that China will agree to it. And our last story this morning, rather, I didn't realise there was one more, there is, um, is the uh, ongoing coverage of the Israel-Palestine um, incursion. Israel forces have fight on Palestinian protesters in the Gaza Strip who are demonstrating against the annual Jerusalem Day marches in the Holy City. Far-right Israelis mark Jerusalem Day each year around the anniversary of the Israeli occupation of the Old City in 1967 by marching through Palestinian-populated parts of the city, chanting racist and genocidal slogans. Counter-protesters in Gaza were fired upon with live ammunition and tear gas. The incident comes as the Israeli parliament introduced a bill that punishes the public display of the Palestinian flag with a year in prison. The Palestinian flag is flown not only in areas under the limited control of the Palestinian Authority, but also in many neighbourhoods and towns populated by Palestinian citizens of Israel. These events come a week after Israel attacked Gaza as a diversion from their own domestic political crises, costing the lives of 30 Palestinians, which ended last Saturday following an Egyptian-brokered ceasefire. And we did cover that story in our feature interview last week, Uh, but that's an update on that. It's 29 minutes past 9 o'clock here on Community Radio 3CR. It does bring us to the end of the show. Thanks for tuning in. We'll be back next Saturday with more news and current affairs from the Asia-Pacific region, but please stay tuned now for Palestine Remembered.